live from Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And good day out there in Radio Land. It is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics live from Podcast Village in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., Joining me as they do for every broadcast in studio with me is the former Undersecretary of Commerce for International Trade, worked at last count under four presidents, Alan Moore. Alan, hello. Hey, how are you, Justin? And joining us from the sunshine state of Florida, he is the retired one-star admiral. Uh, we know him as Admiral Ken Carradine. Hello, Admiral. Hi, Justin. How are you? And joining us from an undisclosed spa location in Saratoga Springs, New York, she is our executive producer, Audrey Howerton. Hi, Audrey. Hello, everybody. How was your Thanksgiving? We didn't get a chance to talk to you on the last show. Oh, it was wonderful. Oh, okay. Very cold, but very nice. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. And of course, uh, keeping us in line and on air, Rob the Engineer inside the cage. Rob's waving hi, I think, right now. Yep, he's waving hi as we speak. Um, so, okay, let, let's get down to it. Oh, and joining us as he does popping in and out as he's known to do, he is the former Biden political operative, Democratic type lawyer. We know him as Dan Lipner Esquire. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Justin. Yeah. Okay. So here's what's going on. So we were gone for two weeks. If you listen to the earlier show, uh, we didn't have shows for two weeks. I explained why vaguely. You don't need to know about that. But anyway, a lot of stuff has happened. And Audrey and I talk before we do every show. And we kind of came to the conclusion that in the two weeks that we were gone, we really did not know what to really talk about. There was so much. I mean, Audrey, I mean, you were racking your brain trying to figure out where to start. There were just so many things. <laughs> simplistic as always so we just decided we're gonna make this a free-for-all in what we're gonna call what did we miss uh there was all kinds of stuff i'm gonna start with daniel since you're the remotest right now uh, no actually it's admiral ken but we'll call you remote anyway because i picked on you daniel uh daniel what was the big news over the past two weeks that we didn't cover Dan, oh, Dan dropped off again. You know, you know what, Rob? If he comes back in, just throw him off just for purposes. Uh, Admiral Ken, what did we miss in the two weeks we were gone? Well, we didn't talk about um, the uh, the president's um, temper tantrum uh, toward uh, Jim Acosta um, and um, and the fallout from that um, to any great degree. Um, uh, you know, I think. You know, having watched that live as it was taking place, uh, I first, you know, had some some anxiety and some antipathy toward the president. But I, as as it went on, um, it kind of grew toward Jim Acosta. Um, I think Jim Acosta is a smart guy, and um, and I think he he has he has basically you know, posed some some intriguing uh, and probing questions to the administration that have heretofore gone unanswered or avoided both. President and Sarah right. Huckabee Sanders, uh, but uh, I think that Jim 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 lost it. I think Jim uh, got caught up in the moment, and he became the story rather than trying to deliver the story. And for those, and, and as, 
We just like, kind of give background on this, Ken, for those who are listening and are kind of unaware of where we're going with this. Uh, two weeks ago, after the midterm election, the president held a press conference in the East Room of the White House and a, a would you call it aggressive, Alan, an, an aggressive question session uh, by Jim Acosta towards the president uh, ensued. I mean, the whole thing was aggressive. Well, I, I, would, I, I think, let, let Ken finish. Yeah. I, I liked where he was going with this because I was agreeing with, with what he was saying about Acosta. Right. Well, I, 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 as, as I was about to say, I, you know, I, I think Jim, Jim lost the bubble, and I think he became the story. And, um, and I think that rather than uh, take a more uh, professional approach to this, um, he, 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 he got down in the mud and, you know, and as my grand, as my mom used to tell me, you know, you never wrestle with a pig because one, the pig likes it and both, you both get dirty. And I think Jim, but, Jim Acosta got dirty on that. Yeah, but, I but, really did. I, but Admiral Ken, I mean, the reality is it could be argued that Jim Acosta was doing his job. He has, no, 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 but what I'm saying is is that, you know, when this idea that Jim Acosta became the story, it only became the story when the White House pulled his press pass. This does not go viral if the White House doesn't pull his press pass and make uh, this was disagree. this was already viral because yeah, Jim absolutely. Acosta, who has shown on more than one occasion the ability to be a jerk, was being a jerk. I wouldn't even be surprised if the president gave Same. him the rope to to hang himself because he called on him. He asked a question. He wasn't satisfied with the answer. He followed up. He continued to follow up, and he refused to give up the microphone. Don now, is so, Sam Donaldson so, a jerk? Sam Donaldson Sam, said have the same approach. Sam Donaldson would yell out and might get called on and might not. Um, and the other press people did not like defending Sam Donaldson, and the, the press people this time did not love uh, defending Jim Acosta's behavior, and what it's going to bring them is, all of them, is a new set of rules on the behavior in that room which don't work to anyone's advantage. Having said that, this president has made himself, he's he's learning to like these things, which is kind of crazy um, because he doesn't, he's not nearly as good at them as he thinks, but he's become very accessible and very available way more than before and infinitely more than President Obama ever was. Um, but the press has got to be careful. They have to observe certain rules of decorum. If the president doesn't call on you, then you have to wait your turn for the next time. Which is, which is, I agree with that. If he doesn't take a follow-up question, then you got to fold up your tent at some point. I'm not uh, going to use. I'm not. I'm not going to say Sam Donaldson is is the exemplar of, of of how to behave. I think that that Acosta was out of line. Now, having said that, the president took the bait. The president looked like a bully. The president looked like a jerk. And then the White House overplayed its hand by pulling his credential, which was stupid, making Acosta something of a martyr, which, in my judgment. He didn't deserve, but the outcome of all of this is going to be some new rules that are going to be more restrictive than they would have been had Acosta not gotten Admiral himself Ken. turned himself into the story in the first place. Admiral Ken. I, 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 I disagree uh, slightly with Alan. I, I've never you know, thought I've never thought to use the word jerk uh, 
you know, when it came to describing Jim Acosta. Um, I think, as I said, in, in maybe in, a, maybe a pig. No, uh, no. no. What, why? What is it with pig? Well, that was that was the last show. That was his favorite. No, no, no. Rob does his... not. Rob does not get to do whoop whoop in the cage for the no. word pig. That was the admiral's I, I... favorite phrase from before. He's ta- he's he's troubled. I'm calling a jerk a jerk, but he felt like he could. Pig call, works. He felt like he could call a U.S. senator a pig. Wow. <laughs> Go on, Admiral Ken. <laughs> so what I, I again I, I did not I did not think that Acosta you know uh, created that situation as as Alan described the president had just in in Obama's terms taken the shellacking on the midterms he was torqued okay and he had just finished dancing on the political graves of of, of two Republicans that did not embrace him two? The, try well, like twelve hold on hold on he he called out two. Uh, doing that press conference that that uh, that did not embrace him, and 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 lost, and so he was looking to do what he does when things are not going his way. He was looking to distract, and that's exactly what he goaded Jim Acosta into helping him do. And the point that I'm making is, at the point at which the president starts uh, doing the personal attack, at that point Jim Acosta should have disengaged and been professional. But rather than do that, he basically took the bait. He took the bait and he made himself the story. Completely and it went disagree. Him. Completely well, that's okay. disagree. That's why, that's why we're here. That's, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Exactly. It's what we do. And, Ken, no, I, and Ken's right. I just happened to call the guy a jerk for doing it. No, no. no. The, the, the thing about it was, number one, I, I, I'm not going to say that Jim Acosta is not without some blame. Was he overtly aggressive? Yeah. But we've seen other reporters through the generations be that way in the advent of the live presser. The The issue is Jim Acosta asked the president a question. The president did not respond to the question and started calling out and making it personal to Jim Acosta. What Jim Acosta's response was, aggressive as it was, was absolutely appropriate asking him, Mr. President, answer the question. And when the staff intern came over to grab the microphone, Jim Acosta, I think, went a little over the top, but he was right in saying, Mr. President, instead of calling me names, how about answering the question? There is a certain blame that goes to both sides of the House on that. Jim Acosta is not completely without fault, but we cannot say that Donald Trump is the victim here either. Nobody oh, could, you, nobody you called could. nobody called him a victim. Never going to have that. Never going to get that from me. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that was I mean, uh and by the way, the the courts upheld uh CNN's lawsuit. CNN No, sued. no, 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 no. No, no, no. What do you mean? No, 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 no. 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 The court wait, wait. said give him back his credential. We are not judging on the merits. That will wait. And then the 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 CNN pulled its case. They didn't. Dis- they they gave him. They gave it back to him. Said there was no due process. But they didn't speak to the constitutional question that was the heart of the CNN case. Dan Lipner's back. Dan, are you going to stay with us, or are we going to have you fall out again? Uh, hopefully, I'm going to stay with you. The White House keeps calling me, and, and you know they want me to represent President Trump. But I keep telling them, unless he starts paying his bills, I can't represent him. <laughs> Jeez. 
fucking grief. Uh, we're talking about the Jim Acosta situation. Dan, what's your take on that? Um, it's a it's a weird point. So technically, the White House can control access. There is no definitive right to access uh, to the White House. But the First Amendment question is kind of interesting, but it's not suggesting you can't censor that that the White House is going to be censoring the press. They're just suggesting that this reporter doesn't get access. Um, I understand CNN's position and the the Post made the great line – uh, somewhat famous, and I'm sure it's been said before, that the politicians don't get to choose who covers them. And any good press organization will fight zealously to make sure that the whatever administration, whether or not it's the president, a senator, or anyone downstream gets to decide who and how they're covered. Um, but legally, it's not clear to me that uh, that Acosta has has a real argument. There is an argument that says the White House had to have some sort of system uh, in play. But they can't just make these decisions completely arbitrarily. But it, it, it seems tough to me. Without the the Constitution isn't silent is silent on exactly what the press is. The freedom of the press is obviously protected, but what defines the press? Um, and that would be an interesting question to see raise the Supreme Court, but I is, don't know the answer. Is the, to that is the hard is the hard pass to and by hard pass, folks, what I'm talking about is a a credential that gets you through the security gates at the White House at will on a daily basis, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, Dan Lipner is the hard pass a First Amendment right or a privilege given by the administration. I mean, if it is, I want mine as a member of the press and backroom politics. I'll I'll take my hard pass right now. Uh, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is not going to be quick to getting me uh, my past paperwork into me because um, I, I know she listens to the show every week. She so, does. And, but, and uh, I can tell you right now, she's not a fan of yours. She likes Alan, though. So many do. <laughs> You want to know who the real you want to know who the real celebrities the two real celebrities that are coming out of the show are? Just as a side note, Rob the engineer and Audrey. <laughs> They're like we want to meet them. They're so cool. Yeah, it's true. I've actually had people say, "How is Rob the engineer?" So, uh, yeah, go ahead, Admiral Ken. So, so one of the other things that that popped up, I think you'll be interested in, Justin, is I had a conversation with one of your lodge brothers um, at a place that we used to hang out in. in um, have cigars. I will not give him a name. Uh, you know, keep it anonymous. And um, he seemed to uh, believe that the president really could, with the stroke of a pen, um, overwrite the uh, the Fourteenth Amendment. Um, you know, guaranteeing birthright citizenship. And he he seemed quite quite aghast that I would say, "Dude, have you read the Constitution?" Yeah. Wow. Uh, but 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 he's not alone. There's no, there a people. This wasn't a lawyer that said this. Yeah, there's not uh, a lawyer. I will not. I will not. I will not go go any further than that. But but he is not unique in that. In that, uh, there are a number of people who honestly believe the president has that right, and it 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 and it is right. it is something that's bubbling up. Uh, you know, it, it is bubbling up. That that is true. Actually, the the one thing I did want to talk about real quick, not not to not to put that one, because that's going to come up here in a future show. 
There's some stuff happening on that. Audrey's shaking her head in disbelief. Of course she is. Of course she is. Of course she is. I'm always so surprised when people don't understand what, like, what the Constitution, the Constitution? Is and how it works. I'm just always surprised. Absolutely. Always. There's, a, there's a bigger issue going on here, and it's becoming a national security issue. And I, I want to touch on this because this came up over the two weeks that we were, that we were gone. Uh, we've covered the Khashoggi murder uh, in great detail. Um, as a member of the National Press Club, the the National Press Institute has just been absolutely adamant of the fact that the U.S. government needs to take a serious, serious stance regarding Saudi Arabia and the Khashoggi issue. The president refuses, absolutely refuses, Alan Moore, to show any sort of What's the right word here? Courage, backbone, spine with the Saudi Arabian government regarding this after people in his own party are calling for it. And on top of that, he blows off, discounts a CIA report and has the director of central intelligence not able to brief the Senate on the issue. What is going on? What's happening here? This is a confusing one. Um, if 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 this were if this were President Clinton, who was the master schemer, clever person with multiple hidden agendas, saying what Trump was saying, then I would Are say. Are you talking Bill or Hillary? I'm talking about Bill. I would say um, it could have been either one. Now that you mention it, but. <laughs> But you would say, what is what's what's the plan? Why is he she? Uh, let's just leave it he for the moment. Um, why is he saying this stuff? There's another agenda. There's because it's too stupid on its face. Um, maybe the agenda is I'm going to say a lot of positive things and I'm going to put down these grotesquely exaggerated numbers about trade, uh, about arms sales, and about a foreign investment because I want them to deliver on those exaggerated numbers. With this president, I can't for the life of me see what this president is trying to do. This guy who calls himself the greatest negotiator in the history of the world— it is true that we have a complicated, important, significant, multifaceted relationship with Saudi Arabia. There, we have a lot of reasons to not blow that up into smithereens. Having said that, we also have a duty to who we are, to our allies, to, to basic fundamental human values to say, you can't just murder people, especially journalists who you don't like. Putin does that. We don't do that. Our allies don't do that. You can't do that. Um, and when you do that, there will be consequences. We're not hearing that. So I don't understand. We, I could see this president at some point saying, see, that was my plan. I really wanted to lock down those arm sales. What? Of, you know, it's not even $100 billion in arms sales. It's about 30 or 40 and half of that's going to be built in Saudi Arabia. It's just exaggeration on exaggeration. He's getting 
nothing for it. He's doing no useful work in educating the public or our allies as to what we stand for and how stuff works. Do we just say, we think they did it, therefore we're having no further uh, diplomatic relations and we're going to cancel all our arms sales? No. But what you do do is try to figure out with a bipartisan group in Congress who are expert on uh, Saudi Arabia from both parties and say, let's figure out the right, most appropriate, proportionate response. He's not doing that. He's getting nothing other than ridicule, which he deserves. Dan, I mean, this is becoming almost a dangerous situation it, it's it, it's almost like giving a green light to those pseudo allies i give you north korea russia that says you know what if we're not gonna do this for one of our true allies <laughs> we might as well let you guys do it too uh is this setting a bad precedence well the people you listed are not u.s allies they are seemingly trump allies um so the precedent, yeah, it's horrible. And Alan's absolutely right. The question is, what do we stand for? And this isn't the Cold War era where it was the our bastard theory of foreign policy, which for those folks who don't know, essentially was saying, listen, there were lots of bad folks out there that we had to deal with. But if we didn't deal with them, uh, the, the Soviet Union was going to, regardless of what what their human rights uh, records might have been. That era is over. We're the last superpower standing. Uh, China's doing some rumblings, and they don't seem to care a whole lot about uh, human rights in other countries. That said, even as Alan was pointing out, the complex and long relationship we've had with Saudi Arabia, uh, principally for for their energy reserves, that's been lessened. Uh, the United States, the first time in many, many, many years, is able to actually export oil. We produce a surplus here, and that goes into the global market, making the dependency on Saudi Arabian oil lesser. Right. It's not clear what Donald Trump is doing in the U.S. interest with Saudi Arabia. There is more than a bit of a suspicion of what Donald Trump is doing in Donald Trump's interest with Saudi Arabia. Admiral Ken, it, it strikes me that we're playing over the really, a really dangerous game here because as a result of him blowing off the director of central intelligence, blowing off the CIA report regarding the intelligence briefing on Khashoggi and not showing a strong uh, stance against Saudi Arabia doing what they did, we're basically alienating the entire intelligence community. We're, we're putting a wedge between the White House and the intelligence community that's supposed to keep us safe and secure and secure our national interests. Is this, does the White House realize how dangerous a game they're playing here, or is this just jazz hands and it's not that important? So I guess as I'm sitting here, I am scratching my head, you know, trying to figure out why there seems to be an air of surprise and a gasp in your voice. If he wouldn't stand up for the intelligence community when it was proven by them that the Russians were interfering with one of our most sacred trusts, 
our presidential election, why in God's name would he stand up for a reporter? Really? Well, but my bigger concern is why is he not showing the respect and the support to our intelligence community throughout this whole process? He's because him under to, a bus. Alan's point, to Alan's point, this isn't about the national interest. This is about something else. And that's something else, you know, we may find out about it in due time because I'm a personal believer in, in the fact there are no such secrets, just things you don't know yet. Um, you know, it, it, this, this may come to light, but, you know, to, to Alan's point, it makes no common sense. Two plus two are not equaling four here. And these are people that he that – he, that he put into place as, as leaders of these agencies, and he's still blowing them off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, that, that to me is a scary, scary situation. This whole Khashoggi thing is just an insult to our free press or the protection of an American resident abroad. It, it's just not not a good thing. All right, we're going to take a break. That's here. actually not the the scariest thing with Saudi Arabia. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that when we come back. We'll, I'll let you go first, Dan. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about watching the chief executive and the chief justice go head to head. That's always a good time. Twitter wars in the executive and judicial branch. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. Backroom politics live from Podcast Village in Upper Georgetown, Washington D.C. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay. And now we're and all the stars seem fresh painted and here's what i long to say to you
live from Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And we're back for the best political talk show you've never heard of. This is Backroom Politics live from, well, live to you. It's live to us right now. We're at Podcast Village up in the upper part of Georgetown, Washington, D.C. And we're going to continue our free-for-all discussion Uh we were talking about the president. We were gone for two weeks. For those of you just joining for the last half hour, because uh, I know you guys like to bounce around out there. The uh, We were talking about while we were gone for two weeks, the president continued to have the world scratching their head over this whole situation, uh, over the Khashoggi murder in Turkey by the Saudi government. And his lack of response, if you will. And Dan, you pointed out, what was the scariest thing to you about all this? So the scariest thing is even beyond Khashoggi, that the uh, the Saudis are trying to get a nuclear deal with the United States that allows them to refine their own fissile material, uh, which basically is going to start or continue or escalate in a nuclear arms race between Saudi Arabia and Iran, um, that's pretty threatening. Well, that, so that, now, I've the, seen the, – Dan, the, hold on. The I've president seen... taking this position suggests he's not going to stand up to them – if he's not going to stand up to them for a reporter uh, for something that is easy – the nuclear issue seems a bit more complex. Now, Dan, we, and I'm not certain he's going to do anything. Yeah, Dan, now, I, I, I've seen a couple of reports on that. I Has that been confirmed? Has, has that been uh, independently confirmed or sourced? That the Saudis want it? I believe Or no, the that they're actively yes. engaged what, in it. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear the question. That they're actively engaged in pursuing that. There's a difference between I, I want a pink unicorn doesn't mean I'm going to get it. Well, this is now the back-channel diplomacy that the uh, the presidential son-in-law, Jerry Kushner, we don't know what conversations have been had there. Good grief. Alan Moore. So there's a whole other aspect uh, to, to this Khashoggi matter that, that, that's worth mentioning, and that is that the president – May or may not believe that the that um, MBS Mohammed bin Salman knew about this in advance. What I think, though, is the more troubling piece is that he doesn't seem to care. We have a president who flirts with authoritarian dictators who routinely arrest people and kill people. We know that. We have a high degree of certainty that that Putin literally takes out enemies that he perceives to be a, a risk uh, to, to his regime. The North Koreans certainly do. The president of the Philippines makes no bones about killing drug dealers. There's no due process. There's no nothing. I have this feeling that, that our president— likes the authoritarian power to use the weaponry of the state to to harm enemies it's it's it we learned that much earlier this year he raised the issue of unleashing the justice department onto hillary clinton and james comey he was 
pushed away from that. I mean, he comes up with crazy ideas all the time because he doesn't really have an understanding of how the government works and and constitutional norms, social conventional governmental norms. But I think he sees the death of Khashoggi as sort of a cost of doing business. He sees it through the Saudi eyes. I don't think it bothers I mean, him. He, wait, even if, we, even are, are if saying... we find a, 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 a blood on the hands of, of MBS, I think the president would say saying, it's a nasty on, world out on. there. Are you saying that the president of the United States is using a U.S. resident alien and a journalist for an American newspaper as a commodity? It's hard not to to think about it that way. And and that's why I wanted to raise that issue. He likes these guys who have this unilateral power. That is insane. Who, I didn't say it was sane. I just said it's a troubling aspect of, of maybe what motivates him, that even if MBS did it, so what? It's too bad. Shouldn't be doing that now. Let's get back to business. I don't think he can be dismissive of what the CIA says. The CIA, as I as has been reported, is not a hundred percent certain. Let's say it's only ninety eight percent certain. Um, that's good enough for the Congress to say, dig in explore further, consider sanctions. This president's thinking is, you know, the the Saudis, they got this guy, he's writing this stuff, they don't like it, he's putting, uh, that's risky business, and sometimes bad stuff happens to people who take risks. And I admire authoritarian leaders who are willing to take action against people who are r- ready to do harm to them, and he's shown at least a willingness to try to do that. Unfortunately for him, there's, unfortunately for the rest of, but fortunately for the rest of us, there are people around him, um, even though it's mostly yes people, will say, oh, wait a minute. No, 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 Mr. President, you can't do that. Or it, it's not good enough to say you don't want to do that. You have to say, you but, but to cannot prevent... do that, and here are possible consequences if you do, and then the president will oftentimes back off. But, but his instinct is to to do direct harm using uh, all power against his enemies. But the other scary aspect to this, Admiral Ken, is, it, and this plays into Allen's point, is... The pre- when when the Senate calls on Director of Central Intelligence Gina Haspel, who let, let me just be clear about this is probably one of the most apolitical people in the administration. When the Senate calls her to brief them in their role as oversight, the president says, "Yeah, you're not going." It, it, that is a dangerous authoritarian move. Am I reading too much into that? No, I don't think so, but you you need to, you know, take a step back from this. You know, I don't believe that 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 after about uh our 35th birthday, we change much about who we are. And Donald Trump has been, you know, the same person as president as he is as I have perceived him to be when he was in private industry. Um, you know, he he ruled uh, by edict, the you know he 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 basically it was a one man show. If he didn't like something um, a certain way, 
then all he had to do was, you know, with the stroke of a pen or the wipe of his wave of his hand, it got the change. And I think a few moments ago, one of our colleagues on the show here was talking about the fact that the president has a very uh, large misunderstanding of how all of this government stuff works. What he brought to that was how he ran his company, and he expected, and he even said it in his campaign speeches, that he was going to run the federal government the way he ran his, his companies. And, which, and quite frankly, for me, that frightened me. You know, I, I, you know I'm, I'll, be, I'll be 60 in May. I know a good number of successful businessmen, and do you know what all of those successful businessmen have in common? Any idea? Casinos? They've never, they, they've never declared bankruptcy, not oh. once. I like my answer better. Yeah, well. Casinos. Uh, yeah, this is, I, I got to tell you something, this, this is this is not anything that's going away. This is something, this is a story that we're going to continue to follow uh, downstream, because I think there's more to this than what we're seeing, but I, we got to move on. Hey, uh, Audrey Harriton, our executive producer extraordinaire, live from an undisclosed spa location in upstate New York. Audrey, when you think of Twitter wars, who do you think are you? Are you? Are you? Wait, are you talking to us from like a lounge chair? No, oh. my housemates are home, so I'm upstairs. Oh, okay. Um, when we talk Twitter wars, who are some of the most famous Twitter wars you'd expect? When when I say the word Twitter war, what comes to mind for you as a millennial-esque type person? Middle school children. Okay. I, I was hoping you would go with like Taylor Swift. And... No, she doesn't. No, no, no. Taylor Swift is only good for politics. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're not helping me. Who are some of the famous Twitter wars? I don't, to me, people who take to the internet to get, to resolve their problems or air their dirty laundry are middle school girls. So would you call the chief or justice? Kanye, the Kardashians. Kanye, okay. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> would you, would you call uh, the chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court and the president of the United States schoolgirls? No, not one of them. Okay. Well, <laughs> guess what? They are now, according to your mantra uh while we were gone the president of the united states donald j trump and the chief justice of the united states supreme court justice john roberts had a public exchange on twitter mind you they got into a twitter war so let me just let me give you some of the highlights because you know i think taylor swift and Who's the who's the other famous young rock star? Did uh, I kissed a girl and I liked it? California Katie girls, Perry. Nikki Perry. Yeah, admit, yeah, who? Katy Perry. Katy Perry. Thank you. They had a little. They had a little tete a tete. Yeah, that's what I was going with. That, I was hoping you bring that up, but thanks. Oh. All right, so here's here's what they said. Uh, it it starts off with President Trump, and he talks about uh, how the Obama judges. Uh, how, the, how the Obama judges are taking over the judiciary and goes on and on. And then it starts with, before now, it has been highly unusual for a president to single out judges for personal criticism. And a chief justice's challenge to a president's comments is downright unprecedented in modern times. Roberts had refused to comment on Trump's earlier attacks on judges, including the chief justice himself. But 
he went on to he went on and said at real Donald Trump tweeted at 351 sorry chief justice but you do indeed have obama justices and they have a much different point of view than the people who are charged with the safety of our country it would be great if the ninth circuit was indeed an independent judiciary but if it is why are there so many opposing view on border and safety cases filed there, and why are the vast number of those cases overturned? Please study, and he goes on. Chief Justice Roberts goes on and says, um, no. no, 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 I'm sorry. Donald Trump went back to Twitter that evening after the Chief- Roberts was never on Twitter. No, no, that's correct. It was not a Twitter that, war. It was not Twitter it was war. A, it, was it was a, a Trump, Trump Twitter. War. Oh, okay. Um, Trump was on Twitter. The Robert's comment was made uh, to an AP query, but obviously he was prepared for it. Um, and and he basically took on this whole issue because the president had been had been condemning what he called an Obama judge for a decision but, made out in the night. Every circuit. time the president, every time the judge, because Judge Roberts made two statements, I believe, one to the AP. I don't think so. I think uh, okay. he made one statement. He only made the one statement? Yep. But it, it drew out like five or six Twitters for oh, the president. Oh, the president will write a bit, and then he'll Stop. wait a few minutes, and he'll add some more, and he'll send, and he'll add some more. I think there were three or four in that sequence, all of which were, you know, he was getting fed other information, some bogus information about the rate of reversal in the Ninth right. Circuit, which just turned out to be not correct. Right. Um, yeah, but but we're so used to having this president say things that might be true, but oftentimes are simply not true. They're exaggerations. Um, Dan Lipner, Dan Lipner is a lawyer. Um, would you expect the chief executive of the United States to start Twitter slamming the chief justice of the United States Supreme Court? Is this something you've seen in your legal career? Well, I'm not certain he slammed uh, Justice Roberts. He disagreed with them, but he also disagreed with them on facts that this president should know. Let's go with the simplicity that Justice Gorsuch was the swing vote on a five to four against uh, one of Trump's uh, it, border enforcement decisions. So I, I didn't hear him chiming up about the Trump judge that went against him, or let's go with any of the district Trump judges in federal court that have also ruled against him. Those are pesky little details that kind of eluded him. And I'm going to go out of a limb and saying that he may have paid attention to some of the cases that his name is attached to. Call me crazy. Uh, I will call you crazy because, I mean, now check my... But not for that reason. Not for that reason. But now is it odd, though... Alan Moore, check my mouth on this. Isn't one of the members of the Ninth Circuit a Trump appointee? Well, so in this particular case, this was a district court who happens to be a district judge who happens to be in the Ninth Circuit. The Ninth Circuit has not spoken on this issue. Um, this was a district court who simply said the president doesn't have the power to do this. And the president went after him and referred to him as an Obama judge. And and he'd done this before in other instances. And obviously, Chief Justice Roberts was being encouraged and and and, and reflecting and and for some reason decided, okay, it's time to speak out and say, hey, 
We don't have Obama, Clinton, Bush, Trump judges. We have a federal judiciary, and they're all deserving of our respect. Um, and that, of course, was not something that the president could go unresponded to. So then he had this multi-Twitter Twitter response that had errors of its own uh, included. Uh, the only thing surprising here was that that the chief justice himself was prompted to speak out in defense of the of the federal of oh, the bar, judiciary, the federal ju- judiciary, and he had been pushed and nudged and so on. And the fact that he chose to speak was what was surprising. It was not really surprising that the, that the president would would push back, and it wasn't surprising that the pu- president would push back with statements that turn out to be not correct. Right. It might be worth paying attention to. So while I was not a Chief Justice Rehnquist fan, uh, Justice Rehnquist was known for his zealous protection of the judiciary. So when very different cases came up uh, about other branches of government encroaching on the judiciary, right. the Rehnquist court pretty consistently and almost consistently unanimously pushed back and pushed back hard. The reason to make note of that is Justice Roberts was a Rehnquist clerk. There could be something there, and Justice Roberts being a a believer in the federal courts and doing his job as the chief justice, talking about that this we are a country of laws, not of men, uh, even though those weren't his words, those are Gerald Ford's words. But I suspect there could be handwriting there. And if something does get to the Supreme Court directly impacting this president's power and where it balances against judiciary, I think he's going to get a big smackdown. And while I can't speak for Justice Thomas, at a bare minimum, an eight to one decision if that c- confrontation occurs. Wow. I'm, <laughs> I'm enjoying the fact that Dan feels comfortable speaking for the other eight justices. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Big Dan. There's, you're the man. Dan, Dan um, I got to tell you something. That, that, that is impressive. Bill, that I, you I, can, I, Bill Clinton I, got a unanimous decision <laughs> about whether or not the president was allowed to be sued while he was in office for a civil case. And it was a nine to zero decision that included several Clinton appointees on the bench. So, so, so Dan, do me a favor. Uh, so, so I that's all true. I actually myself think there's a decent chance that that all members of the court would relish every single one. This is my hunch, an opportunity to smack down this president. But we'll have to see. I, first of all, I love the fact that both you and Dan Lipner have some sort of connectivity to the ethosphere with these justices. When you guys break this out the— This is only with when, eight of them. When you break out the the Ouija board of Supreme Court justices, let me know on that. Um, hey, while we're talking legal stuff, uh, Dan Lipner, how long—or how screwed is Paul Manafort right now? Um— well, if he can actually turn around in his jail cell, uh, pretty screwed. But I'm going to guess it's pretty small. So uh, he, he's not getting out anytime soon. And there's all sorts of bad news there. However, I'm going to go out of the limb saying the uh, or continuing the theme of 
I, I think Putin's warning shots across the bow by having people whacked that uh, are causing him trouble may have been a warning shot to Manafort and Manafort Associates. So, Admiral Ken, the the latest is uh, a report coming out of the Guardian newspaper that has stated that Paul Manafort in 2016, I believe it was June of 2016, actually went and met with WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange just weeks prior to the release of the DNC John Podesta emails that caused such a stir. Um, If that is true, is... How big of an issue is this, or are we making a mountain out of a molehill? Well, I don't think we we, we have enough information to to know whether we're making a mountain out of a molehill. I think that the release of uh, the the news that that, um, Robert Mueller's team believes that Paul Manafort was less than honest in his – Discussions with them, even after a deal was struck, and the the, the breaking of the news of, from the Guardian saying that Manafort had indeed uh, met with the WikiLeaks leader, I think are, are not coinc- it's not that's not a coincidence. They're not coincidental. Um, I think that 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 any of these guys um, that are going in to see Mueller, uh, and and I and I would even include the, the president in his written responses, needs to basically get okay with the idea. That Mueller knows an awful lot. He knows an awful lot, and he's in, he's not and he's able to string all of those details together in a very cogent and and logical pattern. So if you're trying to pull a fast one, it's just going to blow up on you. And if and truly, if it's true true that that Manafort really did lie after the deal, uh, I will I will take my comments from the earlier show and say you you I mean he's either That's just dumb. He's, he's, just dumb. <laughs> <Just> dumb. <laughs> Alan Moore. Yeah. So, so a couple things. Um, w- w- building on what 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 Ken said there for a moment, Mueller knows a lot of stuff, and the people who go talk to him don't know what he knows, and those are called perjury traps. Well, I'm right. guessing that if you go to see Mueller, you have to watch your step because there's traps every square inch of that room and so they know stuff and if he says things that they know to be not true then that's that's a uh that's a lie that's a potential uh, uh perjury problem having said that it's not that uncommon that plea deals fall apart because the person being charged the pe- person facing penalties may tell you a lot of what he or she knows but not everything and when they conclude that you're either lying or or holding back, um, conveniently forgetting things, this was just blatant it's, it's lying. Not, we don't know what it is. What we, but all I'm saying is it's not that uncommon that plea deals break down. However, in this particular case, we were all surprised <laughs> that 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 Manafort entered a plea deal because he'd been tough, 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 tough. Never, never, never. The reason he did, and I don't think there's any question about this, is A, he was trying to not spend the rest of his life in prison, but more importantly, he was trying to preserve and protect the livelihood of his wife. 
He was allowed to keep a house. He was allowed to keep some resources. It's perfectly conceivable that, that the federal government could have taken everything and made his wife destitute. He did not. He, he cut a deal. And every every indication is that he was doing that in part for her as well as to shorten his potential jail time. Having said that, he's still hanging out this hope of maybe getting a pardon. So if he had convenient uh, moments of, of forgetfulness, um, uh, not recall uh, moments where it right. just added up and Mueller said, enough you're or he said things that were not true and details details uh, of this are just now coming to light regarding the guardian newspaper the yeah the, 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 the assange deal falling thing, apart by the way the assange thing the the timing you described was not the timing that i that i had read that was he met with assange a few weeks before going to work for trump to to run the the convention he was it, that's yes. when he met with assange and he had met him twice before that in prior years it was months before the the it was actual months before leak. the DNC. It was it was months before any of the of the Podesta um, uh, DNC stuff that came later. It didn't mean they didn't have it. Didn't mean it wasn't discussed. But the time it, there was a longer period of time between the I meeting. Gotta, I, we'll double check that. that. We'll that double stuff. check that. You don't need to. Okay. So. <laughs> Audrey, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going I'm to kill him. I swear I'm going to kill him. All right. Uh, hey, we, we've got a couple of minutes left here in the show real quick. One, I, 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 I got to say this, okay? Uh, to to the, the people here at Podcast Village, I hate you. There is I, I, there's a picture that I'm going to be posting on Facebook and Twitter. There's a Scottish soda called Urn Brew, and... I haven't had it since I did work with the the Scottish government up at the British Embassy here in Washington D.C. It is like liquid crystal meth. I have had three of these. Now I'm also wired up like a nuclear power plant and full load. But why did you have to expose me to Urn Brew? I hate you guys for this. Number one. Number two. It's Chernobyl in here, people. I, I, I'm telling you. I I, I mean. Is that a commercial? No, 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 you know what? Okay. We should hit them up for advertising. That's a great idea. Ooh, good job, Adam that's, Ken. That's, that's Audrey, get on me. that. That that's why you pay me. That's right. Earn brew. See, you can't see it, but everybody else in the camera can. Uh, second of all, um, I I, I do want to say uh, special thanks to uh, Audrey Howerton. Audrey, you have been absolutely fantastic. Uh, getting us squared away. This show does not exist in the way it does without everything that you do i don't give you enough credit we bring you on a little bit as kind of the millennial voice of the show but uh i gotta tell you on behalf of everybody in the show we really appreciate all that you do well thank you very much it's a very great show i brag about it all the time you're blushing (laughs) you're blushing oh that's adorable Uh, with that, we will be back live next week uh, here in Podcast Village, here at Studio A, at Podcast, Podcast Village Studios. But on behalf of Alan Moore, Admiral Ken Carradine, Dan Lipner, Esquire, our executive producer, Audrey Howerton, up at Spaland, and in the cage, as always, uh, our favorite engineer, Rob the Engineer. I'm your host and moderator, Justin Russell. You can follow us on our Twitter account, at Backroom Politic. 
Follow us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash backroompoliticsradio. Uh, go to our website and download all historical editions of Backroom Politics, backroompolitics.org, or you can email me, justin at backroompolitics.org, with all your fan mail or bitches and complaints. Have a great week, America. We'll see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.